0: Thanks for joining us today for the Post-Traumatic Faith Podcast, a place where trauma, hardship, and challenge meet faith and hope for the future. Here is your host, Jill Riley. Welcome to Post-Traumatic Faith. Season three has arrived. I am so excited to share with you this season, new guests, new topics, and some great conversations. Thank you so much for joining us. And here's today's guest. Welcome to Post Traumatic Faith. This is Jill Riley. And today we welcome Jennifer Hobbs to our program. Hi,
1: Jennifer. Hi, Jill. Thanks for having me. It's
0: awesome to have you. What's going on
1: in Illinois today? Mm, Oh, I'm just sitting here waiting for the kids to get out. I've been working all day from home. I'm virtually teaching from home. And so a little bit more peace and quiet before all three of them get home and change that dynamic.
0: Right. So this is like your last hour of freedom and you're spending it talking to me. So thank you. (laughs) Thank
1: you, Thank you.
0: So tell me a little bit
1: about yourself. What brings you to this conversation today? Um, I joined the army national guard when I was 17 years old and that was just kind of where things, you know, that's the turning point kind of where things continue to lead to this time here. Um, after a deployment and about 18 years of um, since we have returned, you know, that's been 18 years of a whole lot. I can't really, you know, sum up, but I will say in the last couple of years, uh, my journey through post-traumatic growth has significantly. Um, it's gotten better, like the journey the the there's been more growth as opposed to yeah. the. Uh, 16 years prior and one of the things that has helped me um, in doing so was writing my book and like getting my story out and that's not to say that everyone should write a book it's just that getting that was just getting that out there and doing something that I really had wanted to do I, so I wrote my first book calmed growth after trauma and it is a dual memoir, being that some of the chapters I told from my perspective and some from my husband's perspective, mm-hmm. we met on the same deployment in 2004 where we were truck drivers. And so.
0: And you were you know, in Iraq I, at that time, right?
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah, and so being yeah. a truck driver, you know, that's like one of the most dangerous jobs there. And so in, in the end, you know, it it was a It was a difficult year. Uh, We lost five amazing soldiers, and we have about 29 Purple Hearts recipients from them. Wow! One of which is my husband. He was in a truck with my good friend Jessica Covey when they were hit by a roadside bomb. Unfortunately, she was KIA killed in action. I dedicated my book to her. Um, As a matter of fact, on the front of the cover of my book i have five boots that are hanging and that is because she had requested that if she died she wanted us to throw her boots over the power line and we never did that but i did that on the cover of my book and now her boots will hang forever forever and so um even as I started to write that book, I had read, you know, I was doing some research myself and had read Struggle Well, Thriving in the Aftermath of Trauma by Ken Falk and Josh Goldberg. And that was the first time two years ago that I've even heard, is it yeah, two years ago that I've even heard the term post-traumatic growth. And the more I learned about it, it was, it was almost like all these dots connecting together like yeah. yeah like this makes a lot more sense this isn't just a, a disorder it's not a disorder it's not something that um will be like that forever like of course you you know there's traumatic events and there's things that you always carry with you but it depends on what you do with it how how are you going to respond rather than react
0: well you know one of the things that i want to say first of all is thank you for your service and for all that you've done and sacrificed and um you know i was thinking after our last conversation that we don't think about drivers as being um a very dangerous job and we don't think about it in the combat arena very often
1: do we Mm -mm. no not at all and i first of all thank you you know I would do it again in a heartbeat and you're absolutely right you know people always I can't tell you how many times I've been asked um so were you on the front line and you're and you're thinking with kindness um you know it's not 1912 there's not cannons and you're on one hill and they're on the other hill it's not like that and although we are not infantry you know going in breaking down doors and going in um it is a very a very dangerous job and we were mail carriers actually we had civilian drivers who carried the mail and then we spaced ourselves out in the convoy and uh were the firepower for protection and so it is a dangerous job but then on top of it we live like 1500 meters from Abu Ghraib in nearby you know uh about 10 miles from Fallujah and uh we were mortared all the time so it made for a very a very um uh, Challenging year to say the least, right. but with very with stressful that, and grief. Yeah. But then, with that, you know, one of the things I've said time and time again, and I don't think everyone can necessarily say this, but I feel like for me, it was the uh, worst year of my life, but the best year of my life as well. What made it the best year? Well, you know, as I mentioned in that book that I had read from two years ago, that struggle well, thriving in the aftermath of trauma. So some of the, you know, the research from people who have gone through traumatic events goes to show how people who have gone through more challenges, whether they're traumatic or not, come out of it with a a bigger appreciation for life and a stronger spiritual connection and um, closer relationships with others. And so these four or five factors that like definitely come with the growth, uh, post struggles or trauma are, are what has made it the, it was the best year of my life. Like those relationships that I have with those individuals that I served with are second to none. And they, you know, those are people that you went through stuff that nobody will should ever see or do. And, um, but you experienced it with them. And so like that, 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 is a connection that, that that
0: really cements connects. the relationship in ways that um, that I, other people probably couldn't understand. And I think it's really important too. What you're saying is that um, there are gifts in the middle of um, hardship, and that sense of gratitude. I think is one of those elements that really
1: helps um, that post traumatic growth. Wouldn't you say? I absolutely, absolutely, you know, to lighten it up a little bit and just tell a little bit funny, a uh, uh, gratitude story here is when I returned from Iraq, one of the things that I missed more, uh, you know, when people were talking about, what did you, what are you be- most excited to get home to? And I'll tell you, you know, we take so many things in our life for granted that, um, when I came home, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, my bed to sleep in or a certain kind of food. It was to shower without wearing shower shoes. That was what I was (laughs) most excited about.
0: (laughs) Gratitude for the little things too. Um, So you met your husband, he was in the same unit, same platoon. Yes. Okay. He
1: was. You know, it's really, I mean, I was in for a couple of years prior to us getting deployed, but for my husband, as um, people will read in the book, like he had been in um, before me and he would have still been in had he not given his quote unquote two weeks, which basically like he bailed. He was like, I'm not doing this. No, no more. (laughs) And, um, you know, so for some people they consider that, you know, a wall, you go a wall, but he never got dishonorably discharged. He actually had gotten, a. he was about to go back. I don't want to spoil it all because people will have to read in the book, but, (laughs) um, he, he volunteered to come back like um, when he heard that the unit was deploying and that his best friend who he had enlisted in the military, which that story is in there too, uh, the crazy day they thought they'd go sign up. And um, when he heard that his best friend who he signed up with was going to be deployed with this unit he used to serve with. It hit him immediately and he was like, I got to go with them. They can't go without me. And like the day he heard about it, he was getting a phone call from the first sergeant that evening and talking to him about like, you know, they're basically like, Hobbs, you you seriously want to come back? And he, you know, he was like, I'll do whatever I got to do. And, and he did. And so then he showed up and volunteered to go on the deployment with us. And Wow. Yeah. Well, what did
0: the book writing process do for you as far as um hearkening back memories and putting them, you know, putting all of those pieces together in one spot? What did that process feel like to you?
1: A lot of different emotions, you know, even now as I am continuing with book two, which is more about the post-traumatic journey. Um you don't remember everything. The stuff you do remember as you're getting it down and you're digging it up, it's helpful, but then it's also hard to go to that space right. absolutely and um but then it also like makes your heart smile at times too when you remember these certain stories or you remember just how much this meant to you and so it's a whirlwind of emotions and like I said even now as I'm working on book two, I'll remember stuff like, and I'm also, I'm listening to, I did my own book as well um, on Audible. So you can catch it in print, but you can also get the audio book that I recorded. And I started to um, listen to it, I would say again, but really the only time I've listened to it was when I was proofreading it, you know, and making sure I had done a good job. So this is really the first time listening and relaxing to it. So I was listening to it to try and fill in the blanks of the the journey and the stuff that, or to help dig up memories or inspire me more for where I'm at with book two. And it's crazy, the things that you, that just continue to trickle in as memories that you don't, you didn't remember 18 years ago, you know, well, you did, you know but maybe not even a year after deployment or five and now here we are almost 20 and then you're like oh my gosh I I, I do remember that and then you realize it could it might even end up being something like really significant not just one of those small memories but like a significant
0: well memory. and this is something that post-traumatic stress does is that it hides those things from us that are so um, damaging and catastrophic um, until until there's a safe place for it to
1: emerge, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that is more research, Jill, that I've just enjoyed reading about, like reading about how, and I've really only got to start doing that over the last year, but really seeing how it's science, how our brains work, how how post-traumatic stress works on the brain and that it's not about just about choices, you know, like there there's compartmentalizing and lack of, you know, different stuff like that going on. That's
0: And it's not just emotions. I think sometimes people think about post-traumatic stress and they just think, well, it's just, you know, emotions and getting caught up in the moment and or, you know, and it, it's not that it's it's neuroscience.
1: Mm -hmm. Man, I, this weekend, it was super strange that, um, the, the anxiety that came over me, um, as I was watching the like Patsy Cline musical in our town. (laughs) And, um, it, there was no reason for it. Sure. I could sit there and think, Oh, it's cause I'm in this auditorium and I'm in the middle and there's all these people around me, but nothing in my head was panicking about that. Nothing at all. And that just, and it's not something that I, I bring that to the attention cause it's not something that happens like all the time, you know, things have definitely improved and gotten more, I guess I can't say like control over it, but like, you know, um, it just doesn't happen as often anymore. And that crept out of nowhere and in my head. And uh, you know, I'm just sitting here walking myself through it for probably 30 minutes. I was trying not to be rude and leave. And my mother-in-law was with us and, and, And I'm trying to take deep breaths and like, you're going to like, this is in your head. And I know it's not in my head. I know it like really is physically happening to my body, but this is all the weird stuff I'm telling myself as I'm going through it, but it's definitely not just emotions. It's like physical changes and, and then like, I know I like my attention span or my, or the determination to want to just keep doing more and more. And, you know, I shouldn't even say determination, but like the feeling of needing, I've heard this from a lot of people, like feeling like you need to do more and more and like, or get more education or take more classes or, you know, so right. many which
0: things. which the curiosity in and of itself is not a problem. It's the um, fixation on it and the, the, the trying to, um, to hide everything else by by activity that's the problem Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely and not seeing it not understanding it for what it is you know yeah so what are some of
0: the other symptoms you had with PTSD
1: um mine was a lot of isolation um not just from people at certain times it was from people but it was uh away from things that I used to enjoy more like social gatherings and events. And, um, and I started and very irritable, like I would be very irritable with the things people would say, or their lack of gratitude or lack of manners, you know, stuff that is just real life stuff where people are, they're rude. And, you know, I would, um, I was very irritable and then, or I would mis misread, um, e- emotions and then, uh, you know, conversations that had to come from that, or I didn't show my emotions very well. And like, it ends up being like a lack of social skills, you know, you're like, I think as a, a veteran or someone in the military, we kind of also come with this, um, inappropriate sense of humor sometimes or like a morbid sense of humor and so really having to identify over time like um to think before you speak rather than uh finding yourself feeling uncomfortable and then isolating from it you know like I don't feel like I fit here or I should talk around people and and really just not being motivated although I knew I wanted to stay in school and continue, continue, continue. Cause that was the plan that I started with. I also at times, like just didn't want to go to class and, um, right. They weren't doing that.
0: Right. So how did you, um, how did you grow, um, through the, through the trauma and what helped you to kind of grow to where you're, you're at right now?
1: I feel like it was a variety of different things over time. You know, I think at first it starts as your battle buddy system, the couple of people you still were in touch with, or um, also like my family support. Fortunately, you know, I, I do have support from my family, even if they don't necessarily know what that year was like, you know? Um, And then from there, just tapping into different things, like when I decided to finally go um, seek mental health um, support at the VA and trying some things out there, some different types of therapies. And then even trying, um, I did a a book study, a Bible study on the book of James. And actually, I talk about that in my book because it was that Bible study that that changed a lot for me, change my mindset. Like within the first couple of verses, as it <laughs> James talks, will do that to you, <laughs> yeah. and, and that, um and that's what I. The name of my podcast, you know, is celebrate the struggle, and it comes from James one two. Like celebrate the hard time, or you know, oh goodness, I always say it in my own words, but it's yeah. Celebrate the hard times. Cause you know, it's that the hard times that will, uh, bring you perseverance. And then that's what okay, brings count you it all joy. joy. Like what? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters. Yes. You're like,
0: yeah. really, really James.
1: You're like, so I'm <laughs> supposed to be happy right now. <laughs> so it would, and it, and I did that Bible study when I was going through a period of time where I was really feeling called to leave a relationship and follow my heart and start working more on me and just being honest with myself. And, um, and I was just afraid, scared, knew I'd get judged. Woo, woo, woo. And then I did that Bible study and I read that right there and I was like, okay. I'm gonna dump them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it didn't exactly happen like that. But uh so things like that. And then again, continuing to tap into other groups or resources and surround myself by more positive things, whether it's you know, listening to a podcast or or my the people I surround myself with. Right. Right.
0: Like and it's it. really about all of those elements are really about recalibrating um your your body and your mind and and putting it in a in a better space to be able to heal and and grow
1: right. Because then from that, you know, from all those different things I plug into, then on my end, I have grown in other ways, like making sure I take time to write down things I'm grateful for, um in my fancy planner or taking time for my self care or making um, prayer lists to pray for other people, just different things to be more intentional and live a, live a more purposeful uh, life with joy. Um, Even considering it joy when it's not, you know? Yeah. So
0: So do you work with the wounded warrior project?
1: I don't. Um, I have reached out to them over the last, I, I am an alumni, alumnus, is that how you say it? Um, And so I've done uh, some of the events and I plug into some of the groups, but, um, and I've talked to someone about a year ago when we were chatting about potentially doing my book as a book study in one of the groups. And. Um, and then I followed up recently, but I haven't heard too much about that yet. But other than being an alumni myself, no, I don't uh work with them. I've been doing some volunteering with the Veterans Spouse Network, which is out is of that
0: the Is that the Lone Warrior?
1: No, you're thinking Lone Survivor Foundation, I think. Okay. Um The Veterans Spouse Network um is it has a lot of they've been doing a whole lot of virtual social clubs and so i have been volunteering um as a virtual social club leader so far i've just done a couple coffee chats to get my foot in the door and see what that even looks like and coming up soon i am doing offering a uh, a journaling social club and it's open to Veterans, spouses, relatives, children of veterans. And so it's, it's social clubs to try and, you know, bring in the community, not just the veteran, you know, the community amongst military, not just veterans. And then, um, Lone Survivor Foundation, I w- had the pleasure of being in a retreat uh, a year ago in November, uh, as a participant. And after I did that, I, on the fourth day I inquired about how I could be a team leader to help other veterans go through that growth of, um, wherever they are in their post-traumatic growth journey that they go to this retreat. And, uh, she cocked her head to the side, my team leader, and she goes, would you believe me if I told you that we feel you'd be great at it too? And I'd love to put your name up. And I was like, sweet. So (laughs) in May, I, for the first time got to, lead as a team leader on one of the veterans retreats and I was signed up to do a couple more here in a couple months but because my husband's going through some surgeries we have those things on hold till we know right when and where these surgeries are going so to be. what
0: did being a part of
1: that project in may do for you you know that's a good question um It definitely, once again, Jill, it it, it stirs things up to a point to where you end up having to work through. It's needed. Like it made me at one of the last activities we did, you know, we threw something in the fire that we brought with us that is holding us down. And so I get to work more on my post-traumatic growth as I sit there and, um, throw, throw in the fire, what was holding me back. But then, um, all the conversations over those five five, six days um is phenomenal, and to be able to sit there and know to just listen and let them let them have the give it space like it's not something that we to not put that stuff back into your mind and so and since I do know that since I know that like burying that. Isn't a good idea, and I know that some of these individuals come having buried it for however many years. Like right. it's phenomenal to watch the, and so admirable, and and fills your heart to see other people go through that moment, that time of their journey, releasing that, and then feeling free, or feeling just. Lighter, yeah, lighter, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I think anytime when you go through group process like that, it takes an amazing amount of bravery and vulnerability to do that, and those are those are hard things when you've been holding stuff down and feel like you're holding it on your own, right?
1: Absolutely. It's. I'm glad you mentioned that vulnerability right there because that can be so scary, you know. Yeah, yeah. Vulnerable, and that's another thing that I think has through writing my book, you know helped to helped me to just grow more like being vulnerable to not tiptoe around things like that I don't necessarily want to share with the world. but but the people I do want to share it with is the people that need to hear it and the people that I feel like it would help. And so getting to the space to be vulnerable um, is a huge. Huge game changer in itself.
0: Yeah. So what made you um, decide to start writing or have you always been a writer or what What got you into um, writing this book?
1: I dabbled a little bit with writing prior to like in junior high and high school, but not a whole lot. I, I did always uh, find it more eloquent to express myself in written words rather than um, verbally. However, it wasn't a huge part of my life. And then after Iraq, that was when I'm not even sure what it was that made me start running my mouth about it. But just saying, you know, whenever the discussion would come up and I'd be like, I'm going to write a book someday. And I think because I had started writing it down, not writing it down, but I had a, a a Word document pulled up. I almost said Google Doc, but we all know it wasn't a Google Doc. <laughs> um, I had a Word document that I at some point had sat down and started right after Iraq. And I think every time that I had gotten to a, a hard place um, in my life, you know, a struggling one and not so pretty one, that was when I sat down and wrote. And so And I just kept saying, one day I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna write a book, but it really just sat on the back burner for 18 years. And then it was two and a half years ago when I fainted and cracked my skull. And, uh, when I woke up, that was, I was, I mean, I had, I had been drinking when I fainted. And so as when I woke up, you're thinking like, something happened without like what just happened and it was a entire journey one of which you know I talked about in my book as well but it, at, after a couple of months i got to a um a lame place again like feeling bad for myself like when i ended up finding out that like i was in the pre-diabetic range and because i've I've fainted before and Mm and again all this i talk about in there i have fainted before and so when they end up as i do all this uh digging to see like what in the world happened to me um my endocrinologist we end up chatting about how my I was in the pre-diabetic range and like she was talking about, we were talking about everything I ate and drank that day. And she's just explaining my insulin levels and the, it was caught on camera. So as I identified that I fainted and then I end up identifying it's because I'm a chubby girl and I got, and I'm in the pre-diabetic range. Um, then I started feeling bad for myself. Like I hear I could have prevented this all along. I've known all my life, especially in my adulthood that I don't exercise as good. I definitely don't eat well. Like I could have prevented this. So I got all up in my head, like getting to a bad, letting all that PTS take the best of you too. You know, like when you're faced with more challenges in life, um, those things that you carry with you start to show their ugly head in your life. And so it was in that dark place that I decided like, I don't want to feel like this. I, I I don't want to cope like this either. Um, and so I made a decision to make some goals for myself and I wrote them down that night and I knew, uh, being a teacher, I know like you can't just sit there and write 10 goals out. That's a little overwhelming, you know, start a little bit. Right. right. And so I wrote two goals and one of them was, to you know, just start tackling debt more, so we could take vacations, and to get back to writing. It was super random that I decided to write that, but it must have meant something. It must have been the perfect timing because it like within two weeks online, I saw something come across my Facebook where a girl from my high school was doing a free writers workshop virtually, and it would just. And I and I took it and um, it just showed me exactly where to go for somebody who wants to write a book and has no idea where to start. And then from there that really just um, added fuel to the the fire that was barely burning there that had always been.
0: That's amazing. Well, I'm glad that you have written this and I look forward to reading it. The name of the book is, again, Growth After Trauma. It's calmed growth after trauma. Okay, Mm
1: -hmm. great. And it's available where? It's on Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble online, Target online. Really, if you just Google it, you'll be able to find it. Or you can go to my website, thejenniferhobbs.com, and you'll be able to locate it from there. And um, do other things on my website, like... Sign up like, you know, if you're comfortable being vulnerable to talk about your life struggles and how you have overcome it and where you've come to now, then I have a podcast called Celebrate the Struggle where that's that's basically what it's for, like just to give space to how we will not let our past define our future and we we will grow from it. Right And and then I, you can also find me, um, author Jennifer Hobbs on like Instagram and Facebook, pretty much all the things, all the social media, (laughs) except, except the Twitter. I don't do the Twitter.
0: Yes. I, I, I try to, uh, I try to hit all of the social media sites when I can, but it's a lot to keep up with. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it is. Like, I think I have a list somewhere just so that you remember which ones. I know.
0: I know. <laughs> well, Jennifer, thank you so much for um, the investment of your time and for sharing your story and just your own vulnerability and, and, um letting us into your world just a little bit. So I encourage people to find the book and um, I just thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Jill. Thank you for having me truly.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, we would love it if you would leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can find Jill at JillRiley.com on Facebook at jillriley.author, Twitter at jillreilly author, and Instagram at jillriley.author. Also, feel free to send Jill an email at jill at JillRiley.org. Thanks for listening in and have a great day.